whatever. Right. So, do you think it? Do you think possibly like the mode would have lived if RGL just like kept the normal or like longer season size and didn't make it an off season of Highlander kept it on its own day? Like, do you think the gate the mode could have just like naturally recovered and grown from that with the influx of Highlander players from? RGL Highlander, like, from it being under the same league? Or do you think they still would have needed to make, like, a change of sorts, but in a different way than what they did? Ironically, I think there might have been a market for getting players to play both Highlander and Prolander at the same time. I definitely agree, yeah. There's a definite subsection of the competitive community in total that only plays Highlander as opposed to only play Sixes, and uh, they are pretty active in pubs on the weekdays. If they had pro landing matches, maybe like two a week on the weekdays or something, there might have been some crossover between that section of the Highlander player base and Prolander. And I think once you... The general opinion I've gotten from people is that once you expose people to playing Highlander, they're usually like, ah, yeah, I see why this is probably more enjoyable than Highlander. Uh, do you think this, like, it's something you, we could revive as a community? Like, if we were like, okay, we're gonna make it back to its own mode sort of again, do you think we could revive it as a format? Like, if it was on another day, like, a, a, a different day than Highlander? Um, you could revive it insofar as you could probably, there's still a chance that you could get the Highlander community interested in it. Right. But if you wanted to get the Sixes community interested in it, Prolander would have to cannibalize Highlander and take its place, essentially. What about the Highlander players, I, though? What about the Highlander players? Um, there's probably like a 4D chess game you could play to get Highlander to supersede, or Prolander to supersede hmm. Highlander. What if you uh, want to? What if? A, what about coexistence between the two? Like. Coexistence between the two is possible, and that's what you want to aim for at first. But in doing that, you'd also sacrifice the Sixes player base from Prolander, which probably is unpalatable to admins. Hmm. Not that I think there's even really that much of an overlap anymore. Right, no. Do you would that be something you would be personally interested in like trying to do, just like reviving Prolander running it? Me personally. Yeah. Uh, I would be playing sixes on the weekdays. I see. What would your advice... If you uh, asked me four seasons ago when I was taking a very extended break from sixes, I would have said, yeah, fuck it, do it, but... (laughs) Right. (laughs) What would your advice to RGL be if they wanted to revive it? Uh... Market it towards the Highlander players that don't play sixes. Yeah. I think that's, that's it, really. And then maybe like the newer players, seeing as we have so, so many of them in RGL these days. I think it already did well with that. It had like the nice pug culture. Yeah. Or whatever. But you definitely think like it could be an opportunity, yeah, because it's like we have so many more these days than in the past with RGL. I also think it is actively doing that. To my knowledge, the face it Prolander queue is still and gets played by lower level players. There's a whole bag of issues with that though, like cheaters, people just being general gremlins and just they're oh, not. Oh yeah, there. I was I was uh I was there for some of it. Right. You know, so it's, it's like not the perfect system, but I think that Prolander 
already does well appealing to the new players. Right, so it's like there's definitely an opportunity for a revival there, yeah. 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 And do you think that would be a good thing for the community? Or competitive? Mm-hmm. Probably net neutral. It doesn't really change. Well, my personal bias, I think it'd be good for the Highlander community. It'd get them out of jail. Well, not right. everyone's in jail playing Highlander, but it'd get a lot of people out of Highlander jail. And that could like really help just raise kind of care and interest, I'd think, again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry if I was kind of like interjecting earlier, by the way. It's like something um, I personally thought about a lot as well. Okay. Um, any like cl- closing thoughts, things you want to talk about in Perlander? Uh, you did say you wanted to get back to something about it, right? Uh, I was talking about the Sigafui splitting up furry attack decision, I believe, when I said that. Ah, okay. Oh, right, right, like the potential decision, like what he potentially could have done. Um, yeah. is that something you'd want to go back to even later, or is that something that you think you can answer now? Uh, I sort of touched on it earlier. I. Yeah, he, he was just in a no-win situation. Um, and the stuff we just talked about is probably applicable back then as well. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I, like, pitched these ideas to the Prolender staff, it's probably not an original idea either. They've probably had the same thoughts, and they <laughs> probably have insight about why it wouldn't, is my guess. Well, hear me out. What if we just send people this video, see what they think, see what sort of traction could get in the community, hmm? Yeah, they just have to make it through that thermal thruster tangent, I guess. <laughs> hey, that's why I have very detailed timestamps. If you ch- if you check down my videos, it is like super minute specific, <laughs> fucking autistic as fuck, because I'm autistic. There there we go. Highly detailed. Take Highly a gander. <laughs> Detail-focused individual. <laughs> send this video to RGL. <laughs> Sponsored by Blistike. For later. <laughs> I think okay. We're, uh, we're definitely over an hour. Yet, one forty-one. So we're we're nearing two hours. It'll probably be three hours or even over by the time we get through all these. One forty-one. We're finally making it to the meme light game mode. You're gonna have a long one here. Let's take. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, run it up. Let's move on. I have. So many thoughts about Highlander, and okay. So let's like uh, work our way from like your start in UGC up, kind of yeah. Just go along that vertically, kind of cover like what it was like in UGC player culture, all those sorts of juicy things, yeah, and work our way up to the present. So UGC, I was not super involved with the Highlander community. Um, my first. Highlander team on UGC, according to my player page, was season 15 subbing on a steel team. Then season 17 was a friend team in steel. And at that time, I definitely should not have been allowed to play in steel. I like actually was like super ego turbo virgin nerd and i like averaged my stats after the season was over because i like wanted to like brag to my friends i had like 500 average (laughs) yo the logs the logs yeah nah i was a cringe kid back then and i still am but uh i probably shouldn't have been allowed to play steel that season we uh did pretty good i think it was like 
I'm positive. I, I can actually look. Six uh, two was our record. Hmm. Uh, there weren't any playoffs. I think that season. I think it was a summer one. Back in the day, UGC didn't have playoffs for summer seasons. The more you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, the next season, season 18, uh, that was the season that I learned that UGC did not have, um, I don't know what the exact term is, roster takeover rules, roster hijacking rules. Yeah, that's Oh, right. no. So, oh, no. season 18, silver, mid-season, uh, I'm talking with some of my friends, and I pitched the idea, what if we go, like, fucking, like, smurf on a silver team in Highlander? You, you monster. Yeah, and so, season, or week six, I think it was, we invaded this poor, poor <laughs> silver team that was dying. <laughs> like, a bunch of, like, open players, there was, like... Even some of these people still play today, like Rio Megava, he's played somewhat recently in sixes. Uh, Rico, yeah. Yeah. I was there, Row Pieces, he's a sixes player. Dude, I see Vriction oh. in the player history. Rai <laughs> Rai and Zero as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we invaded this team and we quickly became one of the uh, top teams in silver. It was a bit of a drama. People were like, UGC admins, why are you letting this happen? This is stupid. It was stupid, by the way. Um, we made it to playoffs. Just barely. Uh, we lost that last week of the season because, as it turns out, we weren't as smurf as we thought we were. We were actually, uh, given the lack of brain, pretty normal for silver team standards. <laughs> uh, we made it to playoffs. The first match of playoffs, we go up a round, and then uh, the second round started, and the majority of our players start getting DDoSed. <laughs> Not the server, our players are getting DDoSed. <laughs> And uh, we tell the admins, the admins don't do anything for a similar reason the admins wouldn't do anything today, which is you can't actually prove that someone on the other team was the one DDoSing you. It could have been a spectator or one of their friends that they didn't have control over, right? There's no like server logs or anything like IP that you could trace? Oh, I mean, if people are more tech savvy, they probably could have figured it out. Oh, so it's a skill issue, basically. Yeah, skill issue. We're all like fifteen years old. And don't <laughs> about, like skill issue. Network engineering. It's all. It's all over. GG's going. In. So <laughs> you just the admins. We're going to make us finish out the match later in the week. But then some idiot on their team was bragging about how they were ddosing us. <laughs> and was it dope? Someone, no, no. I don't think dope played back then. This was like, Damn. dude. This. 2015 16, I think. Was it his mentor? <laughs> DDoSing mentor? I cannot confirm nor deny. I didn't even uh, know who did it at the time. Fair. I just know of what happened. Usually, admins got a hold of this chat log where they talked about the other team saying, 
yeah, it's fine to DDoS them because they roster hijacked. So they gave us the default win 1-0. And then uh, we made it to the next week of playoffs and then we lost XD. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I wouldn't really count that as a very real season. I think the team we lost to one question mark. Season 18 title revoked. What season was that? Season 18, yeah. So, oh, season 18. That was the season that all of the snipers on the top teams got banned. Oh, dude, this is like the third time I've heard this mentioned. Yes, dude. <laughs> it's yes. going to be mentioned every UTC series. The team we lost to in playoffs had a cheating sniper the whole time. We actually had a closer game than the grand finals. <laughs> So there's an alternate reality where they get caught sooner, and this roster hijack team wins sooner that season. That's definitely a thing. God. But uh, yeah, this is just gonna get mentioned every UGC episode, every time. To be, to be fair, this isn't really like a that's kind of a slide on the admins, you know. Like there's like an above zero percent chance that their players closet cheating. Oh yeah, and apparently like time, you know something that was mentioned is that like. I th uh, one I think it was like one of the plat players, like who was on the team, like the leader for the team that got banned for cheating sniper, had a bit a cheating sniper like every season or something for like seven seasons in a row. Yeah, I mean, so there's definitely something going on there. Yeah, like you can't really expect admins to catch every cheater, and if there were going to be snipers on playoff teams, it was probably going to be the teams that won, you know? So it's a bit confirmation bias. They all happen to get caught by FAC, I think. Lamar Box got a big detection wave. <laughs> it's whatever. I mean, you didn't really see people accusing them of cheating before they got banned right. anyways. Yeah. At least I, in my experience, I didn't see people accusing the Silver Sniper on the winning team of cheating that much. And did that sort of like damage competitive culture, like cause a shift going forward? Like, is the is after that when like people started actually accusing? Um, I'd say it made people more cognizant of the fact that people could be cheating. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So it like damaged the sense of trust in the community, kind of. Yeah. Um. That and the other big cheating scandal I remember from back in the day was Boar and Silver had like way too many sus clips of it looking like he was walling. Uh, those two, I'd say, kind of brought cheating accusations more into a serious light because I think for a while uh, they were viewed as kind of the haha funny axiomatic hates people who outsnipe him. Even though some of the people he accused of cheating probably were right. cheating, but you know, whatever. People made fun of cheating accusations because one player was really cringe back in the day, which is so dumb to think about. But yeah, and I wouldn't say it was a massive influence, but it probably would shift a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like we still sort of see the impact of of the those events today. It's a very funny anecdote to me. That's definitely... I think I hear or talk about this story at least like twice a year, and every time everyone just like has a big old laugh about it. Well, now it's three, someone, three times yeah, a year at least, though. So. Yeah, someone remembers it exists and everyone has a good old time. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a recurring theme of this series now. It's going to be like the big gag. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> 
the next season, season 19, uh, you had me wing scout for playoffs. I think their sniper couldn't play playoffs, so they moved their scout to sniper and had me ring scout. Uh, nothing notable there. I think I invented an atomizer winger jump up Harry Potter on upward last. Harry Potter, dude, you're a wizard. Yeah, uh, you can't do that <laughs> jump anymore because you have to have the atomizer out to use the triple jump. It's very sad, but I uh, I killed a medic with it. It was very funny. <laughs> That's all I really remember from that season. Uh, the next two, season 20, season 21, I was subbing while I was playing. Uh, I started to get more into serious ESCA teams at that time. Uh, I played on my first, like, legit open team that scrimmed five nights a week and uh yeah i we like had a really good season that season and then the next one i started playing uh in my end hmm, okay i want to say that's when those line up uh season 22 i started playing with second wind uh and then i stayed with them for a while uh they died season 25 and i just joined a random plot team seductive nine yeah the tom server team yeah i never got super big into the highlander community as a notable player i was kind of just one of those uh goblins on the low tier teams right. and i think there were like a couple funny threads because my team cut metaway from devil man and Viper was like you guys suck. Why did you cut that away? And I was like, I don't care. Right away, did like 200 DPM or something. So you That's don't not actually true. <laughs> so you don't have any like interesting observations about like just like the administration or like player culture from back then leadership. Administration, I have almost no insights to our uh, UGC except for the fact that I think that they probably get more shit than they deserve i think people probably remember the negatives too much like you have to remember like i literally lost or hijacked a roster like straight up and i don't think a single one of us had any type of punishments or like restrictions placed on our team sandbagging was like handled not much in ugc they were very hands-off compared to RGL. And despite that, the few decisions they did made were like under a huge microscope. Like I think people just cared way too fucking much, to mm. be honest. How do you feel about just like all the complaints people would give to admins about stuff like harassment or just like all the reports that would go up to the admins and then just I think they were never is, gonna have to ban on it. That is the big exception to what I'm talking about. Okay, they definitely okay. did not do enough to deal with players at the top level engaging in some really heinous actions yeah but when i was talking about their actions being under a microscope i meant stuff like uh like they would move teams up or down they right. like got rid of gold but like the shit that like people get in a real big fuss over but like dude it does not fucking matter you're still playing the game at the same time every day and when you get in the server it looks the exact same like who gives a shit Right, okay, yeah. Would you be surprised to hear that it still hasn't really changed much today when it comes to that top level? No, not really. Yeah. 
It's an issue with UTCH. <laughs> from what I've heard, from my understanding, like it all goes back to just like the main owners of it, like the two like the founders and owners. Yeah, like Snowblind Frog, Fortnot, and it all just mm -hmm. sort of trickled down from there when it came to issues not being acted on. From what I've heard, like admins would try to, but then just wouldn't be allowed to. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, since I wasn't big in the UGC community, I was pretty separated from the rumor mill, but even I heard my fair share of them. Like, I heard DK Carl was a man of questionable character, especially when inebriated, and, uh, that guy was, like, in the face of Highlander for a while. Oh, no. Got no, like, slaps on the wrist, even, from what I can tell. Right. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more, and maybe in stuff I don't know about. Uh, definitely stuff i don't know about but, so uh, yeah. so how about player culture like has that been something that's changed much like or has that pretty much been the same since the utc days to rgl i think that the only real culture shift that happens when ugc transferred to rgl or rather the player base transferred from ugc to rgl was that behavior focused um like behavior-focused rules and guidelines actually became something, like, accepted and commonplace. It was, like, a rough transition period for a while, and, like, dudes, some Highlander players, like, care way too much about their ability to say the N-word on the keep it a buck 50. Like, it's kind of <laughs> weird how much yeah. they care about the ability to say the N-word. Like, but eventually that became, uh, like, a noticeable shift. But I think outside of that, everything's been the same. People still treat Highlander pretty flippantly. Yeah. Uh, the community is very fucking, like, uh, stagnant, maybe that's the right word. Uh, like, it, it's very stiff, I guess, is hmm. the way I'd describe it. Like, unchanging, you have to fight change at every inch in Highlander. And It's crazy. What do you say, like, that would be, that's a good thing or a bad thing, just it not changing much since then? Bad. Okay. And what do you think can be done about that, like, by the league, by the community? I guess to talk about that, you kind of have to start with what the problems are and okay. where they came from. I think... So what are the problems? You can trace a lot of what I perceive to be Highlander's problems to the systemic issue that 9v9 is not the player count you want in an esport. Coming with 9v9, you have logistical problems. You have scheduling problems. Uh, you know, like, that's just the raw number of players in the server, but then you also need to expand it to the one of each class mantra. Now, you get a lot of um domino effects right you get classes that naturally have different levels of impact over the game right there's a different culture among uh engineer players versus spy players versus sniper players versus demo players right, right. and so you end up with people who all have very different ways of perceiving the game and then you have the problem of one-tricking, you have the problem of circle-jerking, you know, like, does it really matter who you pick up on Medic? Because Medic's entire job with the way most people play Highlander is to sit in a corner and right-click when you tell them to, right? 
So there's like a bit of fragmentation within the Highlander community itself that sort of divides and destroys it? I don't know if fragmentation is the right word, but there are so many things going for it that do not encourage people to treat Highlander as an esport and more treat it like Pub Server Plus, to be honest. Hmm, okay. That that's maybe actually a bit too extreme. And there are also definitely players who I respect a lot for the amount of commitment they have to the game mode. Like big shout out to Demento in particular. That guy is like huge, like super dedicated to Highlander, right? I think if more people had mentalities like his, the game would look incredibly different than it does. Okay. Um, how do you feel like the high that like the top of the game impacts like the rest of the Highlander scene? Do you think they make good role models? Do you think they influence things positively? Like, what's your perspective on that as a, like a fellow sort of top level player? I think that the concept of high level players being good role models is not where the issues that crop up in lower-level play are originating from. Uh, I think that anyone, and most likely everyone, who plays Highlander as their main game mode is going to naturally fall down the same courses. I don't think any individual people would be able to really shift it that much. What do you mean? Because basically, my sort of stance with Highlander is that it's not taken very seriously by the players who even name it. Uh, it's so hard logistically to just play the damn game mode. Like, people are only ever going to scrim month, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 8.30, 9.30. They will never scrim, demo review, map review outside of those times, ever. Maybe you get some people doing map reviews or demo reviews right before their 8.30. Like, even that, I think, is kind of the exception. I don't see that happening much anymore. Hmm. Is that something and, you saw more of in the past? No. Okay. Sorry, as you are saying? Um, and so, since the game's not going to be played any more seriously than it already is, and already it's not very, you know, like, serious, you know, people aren't going to play it more. They aren't going to be theory crafting more they aren't going to be demo reviewing more like nothing more is really going to be happening even if like even back when there were players on the top level teams that really fucking geeked out over highlander like all of like the like players on like the top two or three teams were like up until like 3 a.m like talking about their like holes on fucking payload whatever the fuck Bad one. Right? Like, yeah, you know, like even when that was happening, it wasn't something that spread to people outside of mm. like those already like minded. Right. Just because the format isn't really set up that way. Well, and then also, I was talking earlier. Sorry, I'm going a long time. No, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Carry on. Uh, the differences in the way that the different class mains interact with Highlander, right? Like, Jude. I don't think there is a single engineer player in all of RGL except for like maybe like Austin, right? Who thinks they actually have the ability to win or lose their team the game. And like I'm just saying Austin because he's on my team right now. <laughs> and like 
that that man's a little bit of a psychopath. He's a little bit brazy with it. But, brazy. Uh, yeah, like I don't think there's a single pyro player, engineer player, or heavy player that think their class fucking matters. And so you already have a third of the player base that thinks that their role doesn't really fucking matter uh, that much. A question. Do you think like stuff yeah. like round tables and people just sort of trying to like collaborate on those sorts of projects together in the past helped build that sense of class identity and matter and of mattering? Maybe I have no perspective on it. I wasn't okay. involved when that was I never watched any. Fair enough. Carry on then. Uh yeah, and so you already have a third that's essentially guaranteed to think their class is garbage and they just show up and get the medal. Right. Not obviously mm. not to that extent, but you know, right. they don't really care. Um then you know, there's a decent subsection of medics and scouts at a lower level and spies that don't really think their class can do much. And there's a huge fucking population of soldiers that just like tilt off the face of the earth when a pirate oh, yep. Sixes right? players. So you have already created a format where only two classes really feel like they can do anything, and it's sniper and demo. And let's go over these two classes. Like every demo man feels like they're in jail playing Highland. They're like they're permanently baited and getting focus fired by everyone, right? And then let's think about the snipers that play, right? How many of them use their microphone when they play? Like, 0.2, right? Like, it's so low. Like, the, like, culture around playing Highlander everywhere, it's so accepted to be so flippant and not really give a shit about something that you play, like, a lot, right? Right. Like... <laughs> it's so like borderline toxic the way people like treat the game mode in terms of not taking something seriously when they put this much investment emotionally and time into it so what i was trying to say though is like i'm i'm more so looking at it from like a personality sort of like how you interact with the in in the community and less so like just in game directly do you think it's important for like role mo for like higher level players to sort of step up and be role models like that and have positive influences on the communities? Even if they were being positive role models to the community, right? Like as people, like helping people yeah. sort of develop through playing the game, like in the yes. community. Even if that was happening, I still firmly believe that because of the systems in place, more so like the cultural norms. And I guess you could argue the cultural norms if they were changed by higher level players would change, but right. most players would fall into the same trappings, regardless of if every class had a demento that encouraged their class to be better, right? Like, I think dementos single-handedly made a lot of the spy meta shift for the better, right? He's encouraged all, well, not encouraged, but, you know... He has power crept the class, if you will. So now most spy players know how valuable it is for them to talk, right? But like I was just saying, like less on like the class itself, right? More on just influence, like interactions in the community, right? Like may could that help with a sort of sense of a cultural shift? Oh, I see. I've been misinterpreting your question the whole time. Well, no. At first, <laughs> I did ask know. it that way, but I meant to like sort of rephrase it there. Yeah. Um. In terms of interacting with the community, uh, I I personally on upward trends. To be honest, I think it's always been on upward trends. I personally feel like that's something that was lacked at least like in the earlier days of RGL. Yeah, um, 
I'd say that the atmosphere in Highlander has become more welcoming over time. Maybe that's just a bit of bias because I've had more luck breaking into the Highlander scene recently. Right, like you're an invite now, you're with the top. Yeah, but it feels like players are generally more friendly on aggregate and circle jerking culture is lowering slowly. That's good to hear. That's still there. Do you think that's more so just due to the older people who who like used to do that stuff so much leaving kind of like going along with like something maybe that started when the initial shift RGL happened, like a lot of those older teams, the old guard kind of filtering out? Or do you think it's due to the people changing? Um Honestly a depressing answer is it might be a shared sense of impending doom with uh oh, player counts and stuff. <laughs> people realize that uh Forming beef with other people when the community is this small means you're forming beef with a higher percentage of the community right. at a time. So you think so, maybe it's like people are starting to like finally come together and are like, okay, we need to figure a way out of the situation instead of just like turning on each other. Yeah, that's that's maybe not that dramatic. It's just they they just are like chiller, you know? right? So do you think that sort of like change in perspective could help to just like? for like a cultural shift furthering in the future like a more positive turn that could maybe also end up benefiting casual um, i mean maybe uh, to be honest i didn't understand your question that well i don't see the logical line connecting them hmm. too well uh okay if you can get the lower level community to be like extremely accessible and welcoming and probably help for like any players who have even a passing interest in playing right. tf2 casually to say oh casual is dead but i've heard that pugging in this game is really accessible even to people who have never played the game before right. maybe i should go try that right Maybe well, that's something you could get going, but... Well, I'm more so just looking at, again, like, those old arena shooters who don't really have, like, something, like, casual to begin with, where it's, like, you have to have more niches. Like, more niche, like, servers that aren't Yeah, I mean, there's also, like, a reason those games are all dead, you know? Diabolical, uh, pretty dead on release. No, I mean, like, the classic ones, the, like, UT2004, that have that level of dedicated community. It's just, like... So what I'm trying to get at here is, like, okay, so you have the top kind of culturally shifting over time, like, just sort of accepting that, okay, something needs to change, that things need to get better, right? And then maybe that rubs onto the lower levels over time as those sort of role models, community figures, set examples. And then maybe that could rub back down to casual as well, and they could kind of, like, just start to grow together. The Uh, only tertiary experience I can draw from this is my time playing NS2. It's a game that rarely breaks 200 concurrent players online at a time and has a very tight-knit competitive scene like i think uh i could literally list everyone who's actively playing competitive i do it right no (laughs) but i probably fucking do it and i'm not a huge ns2 player like uh, as in, I'm not even considered a competitive player by like their standards because of how like infrequently I touch the game. Hmm. Okay. Uh, regardless of the changes that you'd make in a game that small among the community, 
it will not really change the fact that the game was turned into a time capsule, basically. Right, but do you think we could just sort of help preserve it, like increase the quality of that preservation and make sure it's a better time capsule? Because it's like it's sort of inevitable that it is going to be a time capsule if it's not supported by the developers, right? But maybe that means like it's something that we can tackle and solve as a community and sort of find our own solutions to, rather than like just losing hope entirely and giving up on it or waiting for Valve to provide a magic fix that'll never come. I think it's definitely a good goal to want the game to be better, even if it doesn't have upward trajectories right. that are possible in the future. Um, but I think it'll naturally just always get around to that. Yeah. Like I said, um, as games become more and more of an unchanging time capsule, the player base decreases. People, like what I said earlier, just they become more chill. Right, like it's a lot harder to be toxic in a game where you see the same people every day and you're basically forced to be friends with them because there are only so many people who share that right. hobby with you. The final survivors against the bots come together. <laughs> Huddle around the camp. Yeah, but, uh, like I think I guess yeah, it's good for people to put effort into making the community right the community a warmer place but i think it's already been trending that way and i think it naturally just will trend that way but do you think it's the sort of thing where it's like we could really sort of help that process out if we're just like okay things aren't going to get better on their own let's let's do our part now yep yeah that, think, that's uh, what i was trying to get at like yeah like maybe it's time we just sort of start coming together and try to do our parts in various ways yeah Sorry. i think the the best instance of what that could be further extended to logically is uh, the idea of trying to make the community more tight-knit in terms of, like, LAN events and such. Right. No, I definitely agree. Uh, okay. I think that... Uh, yeah, I think that really everyone who plays TF2 nowadays is, like, kind of in the same boat, and we might as well get comfortable in that boat together, so... Right. Instead of just being like, okay, you know, this game is kind of dead, let's just stop caring, right? It's like, we might yeah. as well do something. Okay. Yeah, sorry if I was, like, getting a bit repetitive by bringing that back up. No, no problem. Okay. Um, so let's see, back to Highlander, right? Back to Highlander, <laughs> my rant is not over! Yes, yes, so, uh, despite here, my best efforts. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Here, here's another, uh sort of take I have about Highlander to contribute to the discussion. So okay. another factor that I think contributes to Highlander slowly becoming more stagnant, right? And also perpetuates this culture of people not willing to admit how much they care about the game or caring about the game in the first place if they truly don't care about it is there's been a push to casualify Highlander, in a sense, through shorter seasons, shorter playoff times, um, admins getting more hands-off with divisions sort of situations. Already, seasons are seven weeks long with a three-week playoffs run, and three of them get ran per year. 
That means that 30 out of the 52 weeks in a year are accounted for with leak plate. And uh, I don't know how much 22 over 52 is, like probably like 40%-ish, right? Math is 40? evil. Yeah, math is evil. Don't do it. Uh, pagan invention. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, you're already spending 40% of the year not in a season in Highlander. Okay. So or combined with players only playing three days a week, and those three days they play a week, they usually only play for two hours, which, you know, like six hours a week is not like incredibly low committal for a hobby, right? But, you know, like I'm coming at this from a perspective of a Sixes player where most teams above like I am, like once you start getting the main, they're scrimming five times a week, right? Right. And maybe that's like advanced nowadays. I'm not sure. But back in open, teams were scrimming five days a week in ESEA. Uh, you know, you're getting all this compounding together where Highlanders are becoming more and more casualified. And there seems to be this like kind of a push where they want admins to be more hands off with the divisions. Like every season, there will be. Uh, newcomer if it exists in Highlander, amateur IM, main, advanced, invite. Every season, those exact divisions. And then you're going to let people choose where they want to play, and you only step in when they're very obviously smurfing and sandbagging, right? Right. And do you think... In Sorry. In reality, divisions in TF2 are... This is a take that I imagine not many people are going to agree with, but divisions are better off just being completely created by admins from scratch. I agree. Like, it's like if you're doing all these things for the community, it's like if you're trying to represent the best interests of the community or like of the league, it's like I think you have to put that direct involvement in to make sure you do the best justice you can, right? Yeah. Right. Like, this is sort of a confirmation bias I've seen from running some cups for sixes during my time in the staff. Uh, in cups, there is no expectations for divisions to look a certain way. You know, like people can refer to a spreadsheet to see who's in what division, right? Hmm. Admins just put the teams in once all the signups finish based on who signed up. Hmm. Uh in almost every case that that happened with sixes cups. The reception for where these divisions organized well was always, holy heck, yeah, we had a lot of fun. All of our matches were close and competitive, and I didn't feel like we were in a division that was too good or too bad for us, right? Right. So quick add-on question to that, then. Yeah. Do you think RGL, like something fair to say, is that a lot of the time RGL gets too concerned with the image than actually making a meaningful change or decision? Uh, like the image of the divisions, for an example, in regular seasons over the divisions themselves. My perspective from my time and stuff is that they are not concerned with the image. They are concerned with minimizing the amount of flame and hate that they receive. It might have changed since my time, but most of the time when RGL is too timid to make a decision that might be unpopular, it's because, well, let me tell you, bro, like the admins out there, they... They need some therapy. <laughs> this community is vicious sometimes. Like. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like 
a lot of the time they're just like directly attacked, right? Like the community doesn't necessarily work with them as much. There is very little of an attempt made to understand their viewpoint or why they might make the decision that they're making, I'd say. Right. Um, not to say that the decisions they're making are good. It's just like if you can't even start from trying to figure out why a rational human would make the decision they did, you know, you're kind of reducing everyone to just being malicious actors trying to ruin your hobby, you know, which is not productive. Right. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, how can we as a community just sort of like solve that issue? Is it just like to try and see it from their perspectives more to try to kind of like talk to them about it if you have that concern and just sort of get their perspective directly rather than like trying to, I don't know, have other people tell you what it means in a sense? Like, is it just to sort of try and understand it for yourself? I cannot speak for this for Highlander. I'm going to be totally honest. I do not think it matters what RGL staff does with Highlander. I do not think it matters the decisions that RGL staff make for Highlander. Like, with how rigid the community is in Highlander, it will likely always look the exact same now and forever and in the past. Like, I hmm. like, there has apparently been a lot of drama with like Will Matic. Yeah. Think, old Highlander. Dude. Who gives a shit, man? Like, I don't, I can't <laughs> name a single decision. I can't name a single decision that guy made that I think actually changed the game once you got in the server to play. Like, for real, man. Like, he changed, like, a division structure, right? Like, he, like, made something Swiss or he made something wrong. Like, real, who cares, man? Like, Maybe I'm just numb to, like, the division I play in because I'm so used to getting, like, clapped. Like, babe, it's 3 p.m. time for your Froyo match. Like, go take the L. Like, yes, Sigafu, I'll go take the L. You know, but, like, man, did he really change anything that intrinsic to Highlander? Was he really power tripping over anything of note? And I say power tripping with, like, air quotes. You can't see them because I don't have a camera on. But, like, <laughs> what is the worst he could have done, man? Do you want to like, give us a camera for this? Nah, I don't have a camera. That's fair, that's fair. But, uh, like, what is the worst he could have done you still play your scrims at the same time every day you still play your matches the whitelist hasn't changed the maps haven't like okay maybe you played matches against teams you don't think you should have been playing matches against but is that really up to you to decide or is that up to the league to decide you know like i think it actually is a little bit entitled of tf2 players for like a general esports mindset to think that they should have a huge say in who they're playing matches against. You know, you look at something like ESCA, you don't get a choice about who you play against. Like ESCA has like strict rules about like rosters, right? Like you have right. to play open, then you can move up. And depending upon where you placed in playoffs, you get moved to a different division. And then from those divisions, it's a linear chain up. You have to keep some players from last season into the next season. Like, right. So you don't get to choose anything. Well, you get to choose a little bit, but you don't get to choose much about 
who you get to play against in league in more serious esports. It's not a thing. But like TF2 players are like, I think our team is advanced. We are on the advanced spreadsheet, so we should be playing matches <laughs> against um the Rebel Pug Scrim team and uh the imposters and this other team and if i have to play matches against someone much worse or much better than that i will like have a mental breakdown it is so cringe it's unbelievably stupid so do you think kind of like one of the issues going along with that is just like um, a lack of mutual trust like people don't trust in the admins and so they can't make the decisions they need to because of that fear of backlash yeah, it's a mutual, tr well, not mutual, it's a one-way trust. Well, I guess there's a mutual trust. Yeah. Like, Atlas trust players that much either, but... But it's for good reason. There's like a reason, usually. This, to reframe this, there is no one better to decide where your team should be playing than admins, if you really take a second to think about it. If you leave it up to the community as a whole, there is a lot of self-interest at play that's how you get rampant sandbagging right that's how right. you get people registering for a division and taking up a slot even though their team like absolutely doesn't belong there they just really want the medal and then they right? die <laughs> right and then they die and then you just have less matches and then playoffs are fucked over right yep like there is no one better to decide where teams should go and who should be playing each other than admins because they have a vested interest in creating the highest quality experience for the most amount of people because they want to see their product grow right right the and growth mindset is not shared among team leaders like there probably are some team leaders that you know have that like i wouldn't say altruistic is the right word but like forward thinking mindset maybe right right yeah, for sure. So if you can't trust admins to figure out what teams are around what skill level and group them accordingly, like, why are you even playing, dude? Like, just go play Pugs instead. There'll be a better experience for you. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I get it, yeah. What, what is the point of competition if it's not legitimate? And you can't let actors in a competition be the ones to run it. They're, they're all self-interested, you know? Right, and it's like, you know, yeah. the admins, they apply because they either, yeah, they either just want to see something succeed or it's because of genuine care, right? And it's like, you yeah. don't want to just harass them and drive them away because you don't understand a decision or else you're going to have nobody left who does care and the only people who are admins are going to be like the people who don't care as much, right? And it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy where people kind of just tear the community apart bit by bit because they yeah, drive away the good influences. Also, I want to like clarify, I'm not saying that admins are infallible why the fuck don't you listen to them like dude i'm sure why well, i made stupid fucking calls right. um other people make stupid decisions uh you know i'm sure there's at least one rgl amateur admin that really power tripped over something inconsequential because they wanted to feel some form of authority right but right if you approach the situation from assuming that that is the default you are essentially ruining it for yourself. And not, um, not just for yourself, though, for the rest of the community, for the league. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you think about it, it is way, 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 way astronomically easier for the community to hold an admin accountable for a stupid fucking decision than it is for the admins to hold the community responsible for a cultural issue. Right. It's just like, 
So. No, that's right. I was pretty much done with that point. Okay. And as I say, yeah, it's just like they always have the reasoning. Like sometimes it might be for things that you can't see. Sometimes they literally like can't clarify or else like, you know, like they'd be doing more harm to good. It's just like, yeah, like a lot of the time <laughs> they are acting for the good of the community. Like that's how they get that. That's why they're in that position. You know, it's just like they care at least in some shape or form, even if it's about their own self-interest. And it's just like they just get driven away because they just get attacked over everything. Yeah. And people just don't take a step at a step back and realize, hey, these guys are these people are people too, right? Like, I mean, these the admins are people too. They have their own reasoning. Like, the best part about being in a community with admins selected from the community is not that if you don't like it, you can apply and run it yourself. Because I am fully aware that not everyone wants to do that. Nor do I even recommend people to really do that in the first place. It is that it is so easy to hold admins accountable it is so easy to figure out which admin made a decision and then put them on blast i'm not saying you should do that but then as a corollary to that you also have the ability to influence their opinions if you can articulate your viewpoint well enough and are convincing enough you could run the lead while not even being in staff if your arguments were good enough like seriously like if you have like the like perfect powers of language and could talk to Sigafu and Exa and convince them that all of your ideas were the best things from sliced bread, like you could be the secret admin of RGL. Like hmm. the people don't really take advantage of that. They don't try to communicate their viewpoints about what they think should happen proactively. Most of the interaction with the staff team is. I don't like what you did. I'm going to flame you on a forum and get tons of updates. Right. And then when you respond, I'm going to call you a power tripping loser in the mom's basement. And like bring up any of the negative things you did do instead of any of the good. Yeah. And dehumanize yeah. you. Do you think that's something that like for the bit of, for the smaller bit of interactions you do see between like staff and the community that it tends to be with just like the invite players, the hired players, and then maybe that ends up being like the main or only real source of influence to the admins community wise? Um, I, I'd say that higher level players tend to have more influence right. over the staff than the like, level players, but it is not because of a negative reason. It's because the highest level of staff in RGL tends to be sourced from the people who are most passionate about the game. And that also happens to be a Venn diagram that is actually right. a circle with invite players, uh, right? Yeah, something like that guy gets thrown around a lot, it, like in certain groups or like in some of the past interviews, is just like the idea of like a plat council or an invite council, and a decent bit of the time that gets blamed for community issues. Too. Yeah, no, that's a reverse of cause and correlation for sure. Like, like seriously, like just step back, take a second, think about it. If all of the head admins and higher level inner circle RGL staff are coming from the most dedicated of the most dedicated that is synonymous with invite players right so even if you consider that to be the invite illuminati that is ruining the game <laughs> for you it's not just that it's also the people that they are close friends with which are likely to be other invite players and advanced players right like right. i'm not saying it's impossible for an invite player to be friends with an amateur i am or main player i'm friends with tons of lower level players not tons 
I'm not friends with tons of people in general, but I have friends that play in lower levels. It's just that like most of my like friends list on Steam is like if I go look at it now, it's gonna be like advanced and invite success players probably. Right. I think that was much more of a concern in the past though. It's just like the pal- the plat count like the plat council, like uh, you might get you hear that one all in the, in the game master interview, and I guess that's just like in that sort of case, right? It was a lot more of an issue because of the complicity of the founders of UGC, like the big head guys there. Yeah, yeah, like I like also take another step back, think about it. If anyone was going to be making decisions about the league, would it be the politically disinterested? lower level masses that don't have much of a vested interest in anything and probably aren't likely to speak up until something negative happens to them or is it going to be the players that care the most and are an invite right Right. it's it's like a lot of the time it's gonna be like maybe more sorry i should also clarify caring about the game is not a unique trait to invite players it's just that invite players care about the game and as a general rule are like borderline unhealthy obsessions with it like they're they're fucking weird people okay like oh yeah for sure brings like, us all together yeah huh? it's it's not like a i'm not going like and ride mode it's like if you cared about the game your voice would be heard like nah don't don't take it that way it's like these people are the most active in the scene because they're the weird ones right i do think like something that also kind of goes into it like just not 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 really like in a better or a good way it's just like sort of an observation is if that is sort of like a conserve the people like when that term gets sort of thrown out it's like something that kind of goes into it is a lot of the time like the hired if people are going to be the the people that have interacted with the admins right like they're going to be the people who kind of treat them in a more humane way right like that they have personal experience with and so yeah they are i accidentally i accidentally left the voice chat But uh, I do think it's just sort of a case where it's like, yeah, it's they're gonna have the most interaction with them. They know him firsthand, so it's like they might be more inclined to trust them. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that hmm. knowing an admin makes you more likely to trust their decision. For the closest of close friends to staff members, they're likely to uh, fully trust the decisions that people make, and I imagine for acquaintances and semi-friends of staff members they're likely to just assume that decisions they view as shitty were they went over the head of the person in question right like they didn't have a choice in the matter you know like Mm -hmm. um some of my friends when i was on staff assumed that some of the shitty things in our jail systems were just because segafu was going over my head and forcing it and they'd be right about some of it you know Hmm. but i'd say that just knowing someone as an admin does not earn you the benefit of their doubt Uh, people are very quick to flip a switch that demonizes you if you do something they don't like Hmm. and i imagine that really just does a lot of harm to the community and drives away a lot of potential admins or current admins yeah so I think a good example I could do, since we're in the Highlander discussion sphere, and that's probably going to be the majority of people watching that here, is Michael Lele, before he became a staff member, was like an incredibly popular dude. Like, well, maybe not incredibly popular, but he was a popular dude. You're like, sheesh. You know, like, 
he was friends with a lot of people. And after he became staff member, I noticed he became friends with a lot less people. Yeah. You know? And I wouldn't even say that guy was making stupid decisions. Although, I mean, if you heard me say, what the fuck could have Will Maddox possibly done? That's probably going to be the position I hold for every staff member, right? Right. Um, I think that's a pretty respectful one, yeah. Yeah, like... Hmm. Do you think it comes down to just, like, a, ra a lack of respect for the staff members, like, for all the commitment they put into the games that people are so quick to judge them for? Uh, part of it comes with a change in norms that gets misattributed to staff members. Staff members might be the ones enforcing the change of norms. Right. But in most cases, they are not the sole initiators of that, right? Like, the big uh, neon sign I can point to right now is when there was lots of drama about should RGL be policing speech in scrims? Oh, uh, that thread? Yeah, so this is something that ultimately admins started and were the initiators of, right? But they were not the initiators of it in that they were forcing their personal views on the community not slaying slurs is like a normal human thing like no way that's like that's something that's growing into the public consciousness and has to a large extent right it's just that internet anonymous spaces tend to be lagging behind in that department right um you know it was much more of a social anathema to say the n-word on a college campus well before it was to say the n-word in an rgl scrim right all right and it still is you know uh just recently a invite sixes player dropped the hard r in an invite match and got banned for a while and i don't see a single person condemning it right uh you know there's arguments to be made you know slur passes if you're part of the group Right, but yeah, like when people say hateful things in general, it still gets a pass socially in TF2. There is no trust for people to self regulate in this game, I'd say. Um, which is why Adams have had to step in and codify some of these things into rules, and when that happens. It's more of an enforcement of a social norm than it is admins overreaching. Like these people who are, you know, saying slurs and stuff, they're kind of ruining the space for people that are actually affected by it. Right. And, you know, someone kind of has to put a stop to that. It's not super optional. I don't know. I sort of forgot how I got to this tangent, to be honest. What was the question you originally asked me? Uh, that is a Jeez, really good let's question. Let's fucking go, dude. Um, <laughs> you've, yeah. de you've defeated me, I'm sorry. <laughs> it only took, like, two, uh, 38 hours and, like, to finally reach that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I 
I'm gonna be honest. If I don't remember what you asked me, it probably means my answer wasn't to the question you asked me. Uh, I think we probably honestly. Oh yeah, I think it was like I was. I was inquiring if you think it was due to a lack of respect between the community, like the admins, uh, the community and the admins. That like. Oh yeah, I started talking about how when admins push against norms, it's gonna be met with resistance, regardless of who's making those okay. changes. And the example I pointed towards was the slur example. Um, if something needs to change in the competitive TF2 space, whether it's a logistical issue, a social norm issue, um, future of the game, health of the game issue, sandbagging is a future of the game, health of the game issue, um, server operating standards for logistics, for casts, and etc. right? When these things change, people are getting random demo check requests. They're pushing back against that. I pushed back against that, although it was more of a nitpick on how the rule was enforced and implemented rather than it existing at all. Um, right. Okay. When these norms get changed, there's going to be a pushback because they're of a norm. Um. Do you think there's anything like that we like the everyday people, like just individual players, can do with that? Like maybe just like talk the admins on the side, show them, show them support, show them that like they're not entirely alone in like the decisions they're making, kind of or like the, those sentiments. Do you think that would be something that would be beneficial? I think it's less that and more that people probably just need to be more cognizant of when they're getting outrage farmed on social media and get letting them letting other people and letting themselves rile them up over something that just doesn't fucking matter mm. so to like kind of individualize a bit more then and focus on what they themselves believe in rather than just like group consensuses online that's an element of what i was saying but it's more like if you're finding yourself getting angry about something in competitive tf2 there's a really high chance it doesn't matter as much as you think you do and then like five or six months you're not going to care as much about it as you did then okay. i think like i made a post on tftv recently where i like talked about how i thought that the random demo checks were going a bit too hard but like nowadays i'm like dude what the fuck ever it doesn't matter okay um so what do you think the future of team four of highlander is and like in the near future what do you think happens it remains exactly the same nothing changes nothing improves nothing gets worse it is a time capsule format now and is that good for argeal here or is that bad uh i don't think it matters for the long term in argeal because something that sigafu and exaflamer realized pretty quickly once they brought on sixes is that if any format ntf2 has potential at sixes and if you have to question if sixes has potential in the first place which you really do uh you can kind of just uh, highlanders whatever like do whatever so you don't think like either is necessarily like that important for argel to like try and go for like you don't think it's i think the fact that highlander has totally stagnated means very little in the big picture of RGL because it is not what the future would be mostly centered around, right? Mm. But do you think there is a future then, or do you think it's just like we need to preserve the current pillars of the community that we have and that we do need to help Highlander? The 
all of the cultural and systemic problems are not about hiring it earlier, I do not think are solvable on any level whatsoever. I think they're just too entrenched with the identity of the game. And since these problems, or maybe they're not problems to some people, but since these qualities are so entrenched within Highlander, it is a time capsule. Preserve it, keep it going, have fun with it while it's there and enjoy it. I mean, what else are you going to do? You can't force a cultural change. That's not really how cultural changes work. So, Right. But you don't think it's just something where, like, if we all try, we're like, okay, we want this to change. Like, the people love it. You don't think that could change? Oh, I mean, yeah, if enough fucking quantum entanglements happen okay. and everyone I'll has send a you. new shift, you know. I'll send Anything's I'll possible, <laughs> but, you know, everyone could wake up one day and realize that money is imaginary and everyone could have food, but that's not going to okay. happen. I'll, uh, I'll DM every single Highlander player. I'll be like, do this. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's the play here. That's the play. Okay. A thousand Steam messages later, and the first person will respond to you and say, "No, you're stupid." <laughs> what if I just send them the vi- this video, refuse to elaborate, and then just block them? <laughs> oh, I don't imagine most of my takes are gonna be popular or even something hey, I agree with. In it's like not about since whatever. It's not about it being popular, and a lot of the time, pop there isn't that good. Mm. <laughs> that's just what i say like if, if popularity like leads us to stagnation and stagnation keeps the strangling things i don't think it's good to have a decision be popular <laughs> maybe you're right about that but that's how you get people flaming you in the dms yep i wait it come at me show your care for this community and this game mge me irl show me what's up <laughs> see, see you at LAN. Anyways, uh, we haven't. Well, I guess we have been talking about like gameplay related things related to the format. Like we talked a little about the way No Restriction Sixes was played. And yeah, played. so let's talk about gameplay for a bit, and then we can sort of yeah. transition over to Sixes and then closing stuff. Yeah. So, for Highlander perspective, I have mostly played Soldier in upper levels. I've dabbled a little bit with Scout and Demoman because uh, I'd say. I'm not like mechanically amazing or anything, but I think uh, I'm generally known as a proficient player at sixes classes in general. I'm also pretty nice with the medic, but I wouldn't dare play that for a full season in Highlander. I'd rather go to actual prison rather than, you know, online prison. Um, hmm. From a soldier POV, uh, I think that. Soldier is generally treated pretty correctly in terms of the way that the metagame is played today. Hmm. Okay. But I say this because where I draw the issue with is not where individual classes are, how they're played in relation to the meta today. I draw issue with where the meta is in the first place. I think that as a general rule, Highlander players have not developed a meta that is optimal. They've developed a meta that is easiest. And it reflects a lot in the 
cultural norms among some of the different classes that get played, right? I made an offhand comment about it earlier, probably in a really impassioned voice about how only 0.2 snipers actually use their microphone, right? Um, with how powerful sniper is as a class, you would expect for them to take a much more active role with leadership on their team. Much right. more active role in communication, getting their players to play around them, right? But right. that is not what comes easiest. The easiest and least coordination intensive mode of play in Highlander is to just have someone go mentally AFK and sit on your sniper and protect him while he sits in the most oppressive sight line on the map and utilizes it. And you don't really think or go past that, right? Right. It's been slowly improving, but I wouldn't say it's at a rate that's noticeable. And this general idea of what I'm getting at, where people choose what is easy and not what is actually good, I think comes in large part because of how difficult it is to coordinate nine players together. And then this problem was compounded earlier. I mentioned that a lot of the classes and players in Highlander don't feel like they have much agency over the game. So they don't have much more ambition to do more with their class, to learn how to play the game at a higher level, right? I think if you plucked the majority of high-level Highlander players out and put them in a vacuum, only the demo men as an aggregate are going to be comfortable main-calling. A few of the spies might be, a few of the scouts might be, maybe a few of the medics then like maybe a heavy or two right those would be like it like only one class in highlander has the entire community of people that play that class really have a strong handle on leadership in a team i don't think that's good i think that everyone should have the capability to main call even if that's not something their class is intrinsically good at I think that the majority of Highlander players sort of up until a high, high invite level really lack the ability to visualize the entire game, have the ability to lead a team, coordinate their players, and set up plays, and etc. It's a very unfortunate circumstance i'd say and it all kind of collapses into this reality where highlander is played like pubs plus i mentioned that earlier and hmm. i guess another contributing factor to all of this is that the players that could really break the mold for what I'm talking about, like innovate a class higher than it's gone before, change the way the game gets played, almost always go down the pipeline and end up on Scout Soldier Demo. 99% of the time. If a Pyro main gets good enough aim, they end up on Scout Soldier Demo. Like, I think Marty is going to end up playing Soldier this season. He's a really good Pyro player with good mechanics. It just happens all the time. Uh, as players get a better holistic understanding of the game, they usually end up on a combat class. Only the rare exceptions, like 
Spamfest, Demento, Carson, like these big titans stay on their original classes and really like push what they can do. Hmm. No, I, I definitely agree. That's fair. Yeah. So, um, do you end up talking to like other soldier mains that much? No. Uh, I think maybe you've asked other people this type of question, but I imagine that some of the classes, like engineer and maybe like pyro and spy, have a bit more of a sense of community because there's a lot more of an effort from individuals in those. They put out like guides for those classes for lower level players, but for something like medics, soldiers, scouts, demos, um, heavy snipers, I imagine there's not much intermingling among people who play the same class. They're competing for the same spots, after all, right? And if they don't have that uh, sort of rallying flag of making content for the newcomers, then they probably don't have much going on at all. Or maybe there is a soldier Illuminati and I'm just not a part of it because I'm not good enough. Who knows? I need to get a couple of ranks higher on the Bowl of Mayo spreadsheet before I figure out when uh, Yeah. I wouldn't say I interact with other soldier players too much. Hmm. Yeah, alright. Uh, do you want to move on to Sixth now? Um, I think... I do want to expand a little bit about uh, what I was saying about the Highlander meta. Sure, go ahead. Sorry if I interrupted you at all. Yeah, no, no. I spent a lot of time bashing what I perceive as the problems while not offering any solutions, and I feel like that's kind of a a bit troll, if you will. Right. It's like productive. I, I, like, yeah. I really just want to see what people have in the in mind when it comes to like just sort of solutions if they have any. Yeah. No, definitely. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a bit unproductive to just say here are all the problems and then not say anything. Right. Like the goal of the series is just like help people get those sorts of solutions and collaborate on that stuff. Yeah. Go ahead. I think that as a whole, scout players and Highlander are not comfortable main calling. Which is a tragedy because they are one of the classes that have the best vision over the game. They can see the most. That also applies to Spy as well, although Demento's trending that towards a better direction now. Spy and Scout in particular have a lot more main calling capability, and especially Scout, because it's usually pretty good for Scouts to be in Ubers, which are a big focal point of team play in TF2. So for Spy and Scout, I noticed that a lot of players aren't comfortable main calling, and I think it hamstrings the class a lot. And hamstrings teams and their team play a lot as well. Soldier players, I think, are... In the way the game's currently played, they're utilized mostly correctly. They're the flank watcher, spam damage accumulator, and if your team subscribes to the theory, the Muma feeder. You know, uh, the class has more potential in that, really obviously. Uh, Soldier just has the most mobility in Highlander, and it's not even close. With how much mobility Soldier has, map dependent, there's a lot more you can do with the class than what's currently done. Uh, 
Soldier can literally run circles around the majority of the classes, and if teams were better at playing with and around their soldiers, I would expect to see that mobility utilized more. But, you know, there's an entire meme in the Highlander community about any soldier. You roll out to your product mid, you sit on your concrete shack, and you spam connector all game. Like, and people consider that to be more or less viable. You know, obviously it's a meme now because people make fun of it a little bit, but that's still the general expectation for how soldiers play. And I'd like to see soldiers utilize their mobility options more than they do. Uh, you know, that's what I have to say about soldiers. Pyro is a class that I have some other pretty severe takes about. Uh, the majority of pyro players, unfortunately, I hate to say this, are not uh, mechanically like. I wouldn't say that mechanics are the main focus of the pyro class. People generally, if there's a skill that a pyro player is going to lack, it's going to be mechanics. Like there's like one freak out there, TMP, who has really good mechanics, but like a you Ooh, know TMP, yeah. And yeah, it been his lacking department is brain. It's like for ninety nine point nine nine percent of the other players, they're much better with their brain than they are their aim, and that problem self perpetuates itself because most pyro players that get good enough mechanics tend to make a switch to another class. I see scout as the most common one, but you know, soldier happens sometimes too. Like I think ex hunter, he still plays pyro rounds, but. When he's not playing Pyro, he's, and he's playing on like a lower-level team, I see him playing Soldier. I see him playing Soldier and Pugs a lot as well, right? They tend yeah. to gravitate towards these other classes once they get more mechanics, because mechanical skill is rewarded more than these other classes. But since this sort of problem exists where Pyro players are not confident in their mechanics, or that's their lacking area, by the way, don't take this to mean I think that TMP is stupid or every other pyro can't aim. That's a lot more great than that. They're all fantastic players, right? Uh, you end up in a situation where pyro as a class is not utilized very well as a competent combat class, despite the fact that it really is on a lot of maps. Like, there is no real excuse for pyros to be used as an air blast bot and spy checking bot in high level gameplay, except for the fact that it's the easiest way to use your pyro. Entire teams can be cognizant about when to spy check and how to spy check, but it's not something that most people think about because they're used to slapping the band-aid issue of boom, spy, pyro, pyro spy check, done deal. Over, no more thinking, right? And for air boss bots, medics could get good enough to react to people calling soldier bombs. They could fend for themselves for survival. They could learn how to position themselves better so that they're not just Thanos snapped whenever something looks at them incorrectly, right? But they have this like pyro safety net that's really easy to use. So that's what all teams use, even at the highest level. And it hamstrings your team because you're losing out on an entire source of potential team fighting right like a player who can flank who can pressure who can fight something right because all they're doing is sitting back waiting for the soldier bomb to reflect rockets and spy checking 
it's a huge waste in my opinion. Uh, demo men currently are stretched way too thin in Highlander. Uh, people have way too high of expectations for the class. It is insane. Like they want the demo men to handle every push. They want them to main call everything. They want them to never die to snipers while also probably being the only one peeking on lower level teams that don't know how to support them very well. Like they want demos to be Mr. Everything because so many other classes are unconfident being Mr. Anything. Right. So I actually I don't have much to criticize about demo men. I just feel for them. I think that really unreasonable expectations are placed on them. Yeah. Heavies, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Heavies, uh their class inherently has a lot of limitations because of their slowness, right? Something that I've preached to a lot of my teams in every format is that teams should coordinate themselves around the slowest player on their team. Because chances are, if a pocket scout in sixes is not being cognizant about how fast their flint scout or their rover or whoever the fuck else can get into a fight with them and all this other stuff, they're going to end up too fast. They're going to end up leaving players behind. So most of the time when you're playing sixes, you coordinate your sack waves over like who is going to be the slowest to enter, right? Or, you know, more like niche stuff like you want to right. turn away from doorways and stuff right like you want to get it synced up yeah travel time yeah like if someone can't get through a door on their own because it's being hella stuffed you need to create a distraction somewhere else with your sackways so they can right heavy is in that position in highlander it's so hard for them to do anything because of how slow they are so i'd really expect to see teams not make calls that invalidate the presence of their heavy you should be having a lot of map reviews and focus around your team play being how do we include our heavy the most efficiently because i'm gonna be totally honest that class is a stupid stat checking class 450 hp plus heals plus bows doing insane close range damage if you use heavy correctly it's it forces so much attention to be drawn to them. It's a huge presence in team fights, but most of the time they're stuck waddling behind their team twenty seconds late to a mid fight, and it's cringe. Waddle, 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 waddle. Uh, engineers are the class that's most guilty of pretending like they have no influence over the game whatsoever. Uh, Dude, I is literally meta for engineers on mid-fights on cough products to not even see the point at any point during the mid-fight. And that is so fucked up, I don't feel like I even need to further elaborate. Like, I think the mentality among engineer mains is incredibly toxic. Even if you ignore the rest of your class, you can still at least kind of pretend that you're scout light. You know, and Scout is a pretty good class. Obviously, you're not that fast. You can't double jump, but you have a shotgun. Like, use it, man. Like, fuck. You know, I'm not going to say the player that I was doing this with, but I was watching a VOD from UGC season 22 of an engineer player. I would see them 
not chase people that turn away from them in team fights. Like pyros would literally put their backs to the engineer at like 50 to 60 damage shotgun range, and this player would just back away. And that's not abnormal in Highlander because it was a decently high level player doing that. Like engineer mains have awful mentalities. By and large. Weak Sorry. mental. It's it's uh it's pretty toxic of me to say that to be honest. Like they need a bigger imagination. That <laughs> they need more confidence in themselves. Like I think there is a gif that made the rounds a couple months ago of an engineer in an official sitting AFK beside their sniper, making sure a spy didn't decloak on them while the enemy spy was dead. That is how like abjectly horrifying the situation was about for that class it's whoop, i better move on before i like get myself up into a fit over it man <laughs> engineer I gaming uh medics are a class that's very similar to uh engineer uh my first foray into invite sixes was on medic and there's actually an interesting story to this uh I started playing Medic in ulti-duo of all game modes because I really liked the satisfying feeling of hitting crossbow bolts. It's just a really satisfying weapon to me. Uh, I got picked up on my first invite team on Medic predicated purely, well, almost purely, on the idea that my mechanics were really good and I was teachable. Spoiler alert, I was not very teachable, so I ended up getting cut from that team like a season and a half later. But uh, there is very little in the way of an improvement culture among medics and Highlander. They are almost entirely subservient to the whims of their team. I don't see many thinking actively about how they can position to make sure that soldier bombs cannot get onto them easily. And, you know... In situations where that's applicable, you know, not everyone who watches these interviews is going to be a top level player, so I'm not going to expand too far. But as someone whose class frequently involves making plays onto medics, I can say with confidence that even among the highest level, most medics are not doing a very good job of being anywhere near as competent as the average invite sixes medic. They just have a lot less agency and because they don't have that agency they give up and they have low ambition huh okay yeah like a lot a lot less of a safety net in sixes i'd suppose yep uh okay. sixes just play is fundamentally so much different than highlander that it's hard to draw a lot of meaningful comparisons i think that the way that medics play between the two game modes is actually one of the most direct comparisons because medics and sixes are a lot more cerebral with how they play. They're a lot more in control of the game themselves. That's not the case in Highlander. There's way too much hiding in corners against snipers because that's the way teams like to play because it's so risk-free. There's lots of being mentally AFK even when you know the enemy team's going to be running plays to try to kill you. There's too much just inefficiency. I don't know. The only reason my opinions are as strong as they are is because I have played 
invite medic in sixes, and I've played medic at a very, very high level in Perlander. I was actually on medic for teasing about my team one Perlander. Hmm. I see. So maybe that's less of a reflection about the problems with medic mains as a whole and more my perceived difference between uh, my skill level on medic and like, I don't know, your average low invite advanced well, medic. I think there's usually just like a lot of the time there's some nuance with these things and they usually end up being a mix of what we think, yeah. The based centrist perspective. I, th I do have a pretty radical solution though. You want to hear it? What's your solution? You replace all the invite and advanced level Highlander Pyres with TF bots, and then the medics have to learn to fend for themselves. I've actually said this exactly. <gasps> no way! Not, not TF2 bots, but I said if you made it illegal for Pyros to air blast, like medics across the like Highlander League would shit their fucking pants, dude. <laughs> like they would have to get good or they would get cut instantly, dude. Like it would be such a commodity to have a medic that doesn't get too rocketed if Pyra's in air blast. Because I will be totally honest, soldier POV. A lot of you medics out there, if you didn't have your pyro diapers on, you'd be shitting the bed all day, dude. <laughs> soldier like, cam. Yeah, man. Yeah, would that, ex medics, would that explain why a medics die so much on Astral? Pyro goes uh, down, ramp? Yeah, yeah, part of it is because they don't have much in the way of self-preservation sometimes. Some medics are really good at it, obviously. Right. But the other half of it is that teams don't play super well, and they really fucking force their med to stay in shitty spots. Hmm. Do you think that was something that was done better in the past? No. Okay. Um, yeah. It's always been a thing in Highlander where teams force their medics into no-win situations. It's just... I mean, it happens in sixes, too. Mm. It's just a thing that comes with the territory of medic. You're not the player who's killing things. So the uh, best you can do is try to tell your team how to kill things better, but you know, if your team doesn't listen to right. you or your team makes a bad call, you don't have any ability to uh, really fix it on medic. How do you feel about quick fix sacking your medic in with a jumper so that the enemy team doesn't know what to sack into and you just sort out their brainwaves? I think that sounds incredibly based. I'll put it in the playbook for my Highlander team. This All right, season. cool. Yeah, and think about it, right? You're playing Astral. Um, you're... Your pi your pyres away from Cobb are dead. Your medics bombing in. What is the enemy soldier gonna do? Right? They they just short circuit. It goes I against. I can't the imagine you want a serious analysis of this, but the real reason that sucks is because if it works, you have quick flicks afterwards, and you don't well, have normal Uber. I am an incredibly serious person. I I I don't know. Oh, yes. I don't know you're talking about. Uh, anyways, yeah. So um, any, anything else on a uh, Highlander, or shall we go to sixes? Talk. I already talked about Sniper. I don't think they talk enough. Uh, you'll probably timestamp me talking about that at some point. Uh, if, if, if I have enough timestamps. If, if I have enough description sections. True. true. Uh, so I might have to do a bit broader. If misses it, honestly, it's not that big of a loss. Uh, Spy Dementos pushing the class in a great direction, actually. So I'm pretty, pretty happy with how Spies are played nowadays. Obviously, the more people that get comfortable calming and uh, forcing 2v1s on flank and etc. The better. You know, I think spies right. are in a good place right now. Uh, question. Do you mind if I quick, take a quick break uh, and we can go sure. and just, uh, yeah, okay, restart the recording. I'll edit, uh, yeah, I'll just edit them together because I really need to get some water in your <laughs> 
That's why I got my glass of water beforehand. <laughs> hey, I had one too. <laughs> you don't I know really the horrors know. I've been through. I, this is actually my second sip of water, dude. My throat's just uh, built different. Yeah, we will uh, be back. 